0: Hello, and welcome to the Genesis Church Podcast. We're so excited you decided to join us today. All right, now let's check out a recap of this past Sunday's experience. We hope you are blessed. Welcome back to Vision Week number two. Last week, if you were here, I talked about how God was placing doors before us in 2024, and I talked about how it was on a time lock, meaning that it's the safe, Of lock. Like if you ever see an espionage kind of movie, right, where they're breaking into a safe, a lot of times those certain safes have time locks on them, meaning it doesn't matter if you have the right combination, it's not going to open until it is the right time. When the timer goes off, the lock comes open, and there are going to be occasions, I truly believe, in the upcoming 2024 year that there's going to be this door for you or a door for Genesis that's going to be unlocked at a timer, and something greater is going to be waiting for you or for us together on the other side. However, a door does not open itself. Will you take hold of the handle, and will you step through that door by faith? So that door for you, it may be a prayer that you've been praying for for years. And I believe this year, for some of you, that answer is going to come. And then here's what's going to be the challenge, though there's going to be this challenge for you to do something with that promise or with that answer, to walk in the promise of God. The door will be unlocked. Grab a hold of it, go through the door. The door for you might be this new drive to become a servant leader, to be more like Christ, something that your heart has always longed to be and, and, and to do. And I'm telling you, Genesis Outreach, guys, it's about to shake up the foster care system. Hope Florida, it's out there in the lobby today. I'm telling you, maybe God is stirring your spirit to get involved with Hope Florida because it's appealing to you to go and to change the foster care system. We are called as God's people to take care of the orphans and the widows and those who are sick and those who are in need, are we not? The time lock has gone off. That door is already unlocked. Right now, there are spots that you can get involved with. Rick and Rita went by themselves yesterday. Shouldn't have it ever happen. Don't tap out. Don't brush this off. Don't ignore the spirits urging in your gut right now. That door is unlocked. Open it, go through the door. Maybe the Lord is dealing with you to take a leadership role in ministry. Please don't ignore the Spirit's pull and tug at your heart. Be ready when he calls. When you hear that click, when you feel that, that thing has unlocked you, when you know that door has come open to you and you've just got to open it up, I'm telling you, now is the time to take charge of that so that you can change your generation and the generations below you. New G-group leadership, man. It's, it's ready for you. Sign up, lead a new group. I heard a story this past week about someone that had never been in like a fully successful G group that they just kind of like fell apart. That's not what's happened this time. I'm telling you, get it apart into a group, find family, do life together. Genesis kids, teaching positions are available. Do you have that ability to lead, to teach? Do you love kids? Do you not wanna like beat up, you know, twos and three-year-olds like I do, right? Right? If you have that urgency, if you have that gifting, what are you waiting for? Genesis men, Genesis women, there's additional hands on deck that are needed. The cafe, new here, start here, right? First impressions, everybody's looking forward in this 2024 year to improve, to ramp it up, to ignite this movement here in Genesis. And you are being called to be a part of it. If your heart is breaking to do something for God, start at home, period, this is part of your calling in life to live out your calling in your local church body. The doors unlocked, man, open it and go through that door. Now, listen, I told you last week, I am, I am not completely aware of everything that God is up to. I just know that, that something good, there's a good change coming for you, for some of you, for, for us as a church body. Listen, it's in my spirit, it won't let go of me but it does not just involve me. It does not just involve Pastor Rachel. It does not just involve Pastor Stephanie. It's about all of us. We are the unified body of Christ. In October, I was preaching a message series called Don't Fall Asleep. Uh, It was about the end times if you were here. Um, I was addressing towards the last two weeks the seven churches in Revelation. And I said, there's one of which that speaks to me and I just feel like this, this, almost like those moments where like there is that epiphany, where there is that ruach of God where he speaks and there's wind and breath and the scripture comes alive. And I just, it was as if the Lord says, hey, this is what I think about you as your church. Because there's seven churches, two of which were the ones that were commended. The other ones were seen with fault but one of which was Philadelphia. Anybody remember me saying that? I didn't remember it until my mom shared it with me this week. She's like, Scott, you were talking, I was writing this down. Because before the staff had settled on this vision for 2024, before the Lord said, yeah, this is where you're going, Hunter. God was speaking to us. And here's what I spoke over you. Check this out. Verse three, seven and eight, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write. These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I think God is still pleased with the church. That might not be the megachurch, but it's just faithful. And the one that genuinely does its best with its resources, as small as they might be, and in their surrounding situations, God is pleased with those who remain faithful. We're not the rich church. Listen, we squeeze every penny. If you look at our church, we the TJ Maxx of churches, okay? It looks cool, but it takes a lot of figuring out and manipulating things and moving things around to make this place look good. But we're not perfect either by no means. No churches. If you think that there are and you keep hopping churches because you're like, gotta find that perfect church. Guess what? There aren't any. Church is full of people who are broken and who all need to be mended and all need to learn what sanctification means and forgiveness means. We're not gonna get everything right. But our heart is right. That's why we say we're a real church for real people. Because our motives are pure. And we're seeking God in everything for his direction, for his leading, for his anointing, in which we will always operate in. And so we will work hard as if it depends on us, but we know, and we pray, and we seek God knowing that the results really depend on him. So when I read that, it says, you, you know, you have little power now, right? We might be of little power right now. People might not look at us and be like, oh, well, there's the world changing church. We're not the mega church. Listen, I don't care. We're not the fancy new church in town or the one that just keeps changing its names and painting its doors. Listen, we're just us. We've been here 20 years. We're going to be here for way more than 20. But I'm telling you, something is different, something in the air. There is this sense of anticipation that God has put a door that is about to open. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know if that means growth. I don't know if that means that those in this church who have been drinking milk are about to eat some spiritual meat and grow up in your faith. I, I'm telling you, God's about to shake you up, so you better get ready for it. But here's what I mean by that. See, as I replay it, this, this message, like, so when I, when I preach, I'm like my worst, first of all, my worst critic, right? And I'll replay the stupid things that I said that I shouldn't have said in church, right? Because that's every week. But then I also think about the things where the Lord just hits me in my chest, where I write something, I say something, and I almost, it's like the church of Philadelphia, like I don't even realize in the moment the gravity, the weight that it is that it holds. And I was reflecting this week and I kept seeing the same image like over and over in my mind. It was really, really weird. But I kept seeing this timid hand, this like shaking hand trying to reach towards a door handle. I'm not raising a flock of timid Christians. I'm not training you, my fellow believers, to be wimps. I'm training you to be warriors. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Fear comes from one source, and it's not him. And I am not sure if going after God's plan scares you and it makes you timid and it makes you feel like, Lord, I don't know if I grab a hold of this. How am I gonna trust you? How is this gonna work out? Lord, what is, what if, what if, what if? The author of fear is Satan, not God. He's not giving you a spirit of fear. Do not be afraid of what he has for you. Do not be afraid of the power and the move of the spirit in your life. Today, I want to challenge you to change your old ways of thinking. And I want you to boldly approach God's dream for you, God's will for you, God's desire to pour out his spirit upon you and in you and through. I I am praying that you will have this crazy desire for you to activate a life of service like you've never had before in your life. Hear me. Doors need warriors. Say that with me. Doors need warriors. God wants lion chasers, not backpedaling cowards. What's a lion chaser? Flashback, he's on my arm, right? Thank you, Mark (laughs) Batterson. A life worth living is being a lion chaser. That's a person who runs into danger. Every time I look down on this tattoo that my family hates, um, I did it re- to remind me. Scott, stop living in worry. Stop living in doubt. Stop living in fear. You were called to be a warrior. You're called to run on the lion and take him down. I want to be like David's mighty man of valor, Benaiah, who chased down a lion on a snowy day into a pit and took him out. Read 2 Samuel 23. In 2024, God's spirit is saying, run to the door. Run to the door. Don't walk. I have so much more for you on the other side. And you are not called to shy away. You are not called to tiptoe around it. You are not called to brush off the dream that I have planted in your head and in your heart. You are redeemed for a reason. You are called. You are chosen. You are anointed to accomplish my dream for your life, for my glory, for my purposes, and by my strength, it will be done, not in yours. Y'all praising so much less than I'm preaching I came to throw down this morning. Now listen, if you're like, "Uh, I don't really know what you're talking about, I'm I'm gonna break it down for you. Today, I thought I would introduce to you a different kind of warrior. We've talked about Benaiah or someone say Benaiah, however you want to say his name. But this joker's name is Josheb. Weird, huh? Josheb. Now listen, ain't nobody made a movie about him. You might never, anybody ever remember hearing about him? Two of you, Awesome but he's crazy important. And God thought he was so very important to put him in charge of protecting David. And he included him in the Holy Scriptures for a reason. 2 Samuel 23, 8, Josheb, Bashabeth, attack him a knight. Say that five times, holding your tongue really fast. He was chief of the three. Chief of God's chosen the mighty men of valor to protect King David, he raised his spear against 800 men and killed them all in one encounter. Woo, Pastor Scott brought props. <laughs> I got glasses on, it's fine. Listen, what if there were 800 warriors on the other side of your door? What would you do? Uh, it's, not, it's not battle times. Don't murder anybody. Thus saith the Scott, Okay. All you weirdos that were like, Pastor Scott told me to kill people. No. What's my point? There comes a moment in everybody's life, in every dream, in every journey, where you have got to get sick of being the status quo and quit being a whip and raise a spear. Listen, I believe you've got to go big or go home. If you've seen me live my life and you've seen me work myself to death, it's because I'm going big or I'm going home. I'm going to be all in or I'm going to be just dirt. What I love about Joshua is that he did not back down and he was not struck with fear. Why? Because God did not give him a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. Even against 801 to one odds. Whoa, those are some long odds, right? But God loves long shots. And to the infinite, all finites are equal, right? That means there is nothing that is impossible with him. There's nothing that's improbable for God. There is zero degrees of difficulty for Jesus Christ. For all things with God are possible to those who who believe. He is more than able. And I love it because impossible odds, it sets the stage for God's greatest miracles. For Joshua, when he's getting ready to cross the Jordan. For Moses, when he had their, uh, that moment where it's like, uh, if I don't split these seas, we're all gonna die. What? Are you open to a task? Are you open to a path? Are you open to a miracle that God has for you on the other side of that door? Are you, are you open to something that feels like 801 odds? Do you realize, though, that you are walking not in your strength ever, that your calling that God gives you, it is impossible because it requires him to be able to work it out in you and through you. Don't you realize you're never walking in your own strength in your calling? It's not with Jacob all things are possible. It's not with Judy all things are possible. It's with Jesus that all things are possible are impossible. I watched the new Hunger Games movie this past week, and I kept hearing that sad, hopeless cheer over and over again, you know, may the odds ever be in your favor, right? But I think as believers, when we face like an uphill battle or, or, or we know that like the odds are really stacked against us, against us like uh, 800 to one, that God's kingdom cheer is may the odds be against you. And you're like, P.S. no, yeah. That's exactly what I said. Why? Because that way God gets the glory because it's not about you. It's not about me. He does what he does so that we can't take credit for it. Unless God does it, guess what? It can't be done anyways. We work like it depends on us, but we pray and we bleed and we, and we, we put down some roots and we dig deep. But we know that the result is always on God. It depends on him. But most of us, they'll avoid situations where the odds are stacked against us, right? Nobody nobody wants to do that. We crack the door open, right? We peek through and then we pee a little, right? That's the way that most brains work. But when we act like that, sorry, mom, we rob God, listen, of the opportunity to do something supernatural. I am not afraid of the activity of God. I want to see the activity of God. I want him to move. I want to watch him heal your body. I believe he can, and I believe he will, and I believe he wants to. But you and I, we have to have faith. You have to have faith alongside me if we are called to be this unified body of Genesis Church. Half of us cannot be like, hmm, I'm not really sure if God can do it, right? No, I will punch you in the throat. That is the wrong attitude. I really won't hit you, but I might. Listen. Can I just remind you that your past victories in your life—they are what propel you with a spear and the hand to go after what is ahead of you? Like I want you to, like, boom, kick the unlocked door open and run through it screaming with a war cry. Back to Joshua. If Joshua wins a one-on-one matchup against some big dude, who cares? Like, I don't think that's what gets him in the Bible. But when you tell me a story, when he has got 800 people versus himself, dude, that person's getting a promotion. That's what David did. He tapped Joshua, and he's like, oh, you're gonna be my chief. You're gonna be my my mightiest of my mightiest men of valor. What does that mean to us? Stop running away from 800 to one kind of odds exactly explain how this works, let me put this down for you. In 2 Samuel 23.8, I want you to focus on the last two words, on this little, hmm, I love it. It's a phrase, pregnant with possibilities, okay? Full of hope. These two words, everyone say, one encounter. That's how that story ends. He did it all in one encounter. You are one encounter away from an entire alternate reality. Run through the door. Here's what I believe. I still believe in 2024 that God's word is 100% truth, that his promises are yes and amen, that God is still ordering your footsteps because his word tells me so. I believe that God is preparing good works in advance for you to do. Because his word tells me so. I believe that God is strategically placing you at the right place at the right time because that's how he operates. I don't believe in coincidence. I think that's garbage. I believe in God's providence. And because of it, I live with this holy anticipation that I have some like sanctified expectation that no matter what is happening, I'm ready to roll whenever some door gets unlocked. And I hear it click and I'm like, oh, here comes the opportunity. I'm moving in. Don't you see that God's setting you up? Just by being here this morning, God is setting you up. There's a door that no one's going to be able to shut or open except him. And when it unlocks, you better, you better have predecided in your mind who God is. And if you are completely for him, like he is for you and not against you. And you will get completely decided in your mind ahead of time that you're going to do whatever he says. You're ready to move when he says move. Why? Because you never know when or where or how God is going to show up and show off with his power and his grace and his goodness and set before you a possibility, an opportunity, not just to change your life, but to change somebody else's life because he's put you in that place and positioned you for that moment for such a time as this. Listen, I've learned along the way, man. I have got to take the first step of faith. A bold hand grabbing hold of the door handle. Not the shaky, tiny, timid hand. Reach for it. Grab a hold of it by faith. What is faith? Let me give you some ideas about this. Faith is, is really number one to me, willing to look foolish. See, what's on the other side of that door might look crazy to everybody else. They might tell you to your face, you've lost it. But one day in prayer, I heard the Lord say, Scott, start a special needs ministry. I told my staff a few weeks later. They looked at me like I had three heads, and then two of them quit. We're on Night to shine prom, number 10 this year, expecting thousands and thousands of thousands of people on February 9th. I don't claim that God speaks audibly to me all the time. I think people like that uh, might have multiple personalities. But I'm telling you, I know when I know when the Lord shows up. And I know his voice And there are things that he has spoken to me years ago that I'm still waiting for that promise to come to fruition. But because I know what he's capable of, because I've seen what my God can do and what he has done and the victories that he's happened to just show up and show off in my life and in your life because of you, because of me together, I know that with God, all things are possible. So I'm not worried about tomorrow. I don't care if I look like a fool to other people. When God says go, I will go. When God says lead and do this and say this, I will say it. I'm not afraid. Number two, faith is the the process of unlearning these fears that you may have. Like sometimes the things that scare you the most need to be tackled and they need to be reworked in your life because faith says, take on the thing that scares you. Because the battle is not yours, it's his. It's already won. Stop worrying. That is the biggest lesson I've had to learn in my whole life. Scott, stop worrying. But I want to close out my ideas on faith with this one. That faith is taking the first step before God reveals the second one. You know the reason why he says that my word is a lamp unto your feet and light unto your path? Like if you hold a lantern up, it doesn't. Show miles and miles down the road, right? What does God's word do? What does God's promises do? Gives you the next step. You can see where you're going next. Because if God told you the end, you would quit. I would be like, yeah, that's never happening. You could not have told me all the garbage, all the trials, all the tests, all the sicknesses. That my life has resulted in. Or what it would be. And I would still want to like press forward. But through it all. God has sustained me. God sustained my children. He's keeping us afloat. And in the middle of it. I'm learning. There's days that I feel like Job. But there's also days. Where I feel like. Joshua, Bring on the 800 to 1. Because I don't live by my feelings. I live by. Faith and faith is taking that first step, right? Because most of us, man, we're waiting for God to make a move, but God's waiting for you to make a move. The door is unlocked, but guess what? A door does not open itself, and that's where we get stuck. But I want to give you a true life example. Now, listen, you may think that you've heard this story before. I don't care, re entertain yourself, right? Because I don't think I've ever given you the full story. Don't tune me out. This will impact your life if you will listen and let it. My wife did not want to move to Tallahassee. My wife did not want to jump back into ministry again. And I say again, because in 2003, we just moved from New York post 9-11, right? Our lives were like shook up crazy, called into ministry. We go back to Cincinnati for a year and then we just got burned by the pastor of that church. He told me I would never amount to anything. I lost my job because there was no funds to pay me. I really just think he really wanted to get rid of me. And then we were hurt by people that I grew up knowing and loving. And so my wife was deflated because I've known Tabby since sixth grade and she's gone to that church with me, which was my home church that I went back to be a youth pastor at. And it hurt deeply. And then I had a few months of unemployment, and I did this 40 days of fasting. When I mean fasting, I mean everything. I drink water. And I was praying, Lord, open the doors. Lord, where are we supposed to go? What are we supposed to do? I was desperate to hear from God. And then the Lord spoke to me and said to me, not to Tab, go help your brother start Genesis Church. Go help your brother plan a church and my wife did not hear the same thing. She didn't, yet she still graciously trusted me and trusted the Lord and moved into my parents' house, kept working, we got rid of our apartment, she kept working, at her. she had an awesome job at Great American Insurance Company, people that like have the red stadium, like that's who she worked for. And I moved in with my brother and sister-in-law here and worked on launching a new church holding my breath to see what would happen at the grand opening. We were flying, blind, by faith, and tally. But Tabitha kept wrestling in Cincinnati. And it was this like, constant like, crazy fight in her gut. And she kept fighting this, this very strange and uneasy calling. I was working for free, she was pulling all the weight and all the stress of all of our bills, and in the middle of it, she was unable to see with some spiritual eyes for a bit. Anybody ever been there? Yeah, I didn't blame her. Looking back, I realized it all does sound crazy. The tab came to Tallahassee for the grand opening on Easter in April that year, where we had like 50, 60 people as a core group building up to that, and then 260 showed up on one day. After that, Tab went back home to Cincinnati after Easter. And she had been applying for jobs just to see, you know, put it out there, right? For months and months and months and months and months, nothing. And then a few weeks after Easter, Tab's boss sat her down and told her she was crazy and she should divorce me. God, in that split second, unlocked the door and completely changed my wife's heart. She went Immediately back to her office, shut the door, and started praying. And then made a preemptive move of faith, and she went in and she quit her job. Within a day, she got a call from the state of Florida with a job interview. Within one week, she got the job. Then we get down here and we're like, we don't have all the funds to start this. We just, it's a mess, right? I got to live rent free for an entire summer because the youth pastor was going home and his wife was going like abroad to study and we lived in their house rent-free for three months and all I had to do was pay the utilities and mow the lawn. God was waiting for her to make a move, to twist the handle and step through that door. That move by Tabitha's faith is the reason why you were sitting here today. That's called a ripple effect. Let me ask you, when you throw a rock into a still body of water, a lake, a pond, what, what happens? Splash, right? But then you see these concentric circles, right? They go farther and further out. The same is true with our lives. It always has a ripple effect. Every action that you take, every decision that we make has a cause and effect echo beyond your ability to understand, beyond your ability to control. Our actions and our inactions, our decisions and our decisions that are are against what you say, saying, or are indecisions better? They all have this ripple effect that's beyond your ability to control, beyond your ability to even understand what's going to happen from it. What I'm getting that for you in this moment is this: if you don't move when God says move, your decisions will make a dis- difference. Right? If you don't go where God says go, if you don't listen to His calling, if you don't the urge in your gut and your spirit, if you are like God, no. That action is gonna have an impact. It all has a ripple. And I 100 believe, 100%, like, oh, I'm sitting here today. I need to tell you what God is doing for you is not just for you. It's for you and you and you and you and somebody else. And for the third and the fourth generation, God is always dreaming bigger than us. God is always thinking the long game. Look at Tabby. Tabby Hunter had no idea the ripple effect that she was gonna have from one prayer, going in her office and making a quit decision. But that one act of obedience unlocked the door that allowed me to stay here, that kept the future of Genesis in motion. Man, isn't that the beauty of God's sovereignty? If we will just do things God's way, the right things day in and day out, being faithful, God is going to show up and be faithful. And he's going to show off in ways that you cannot predict. Tab came and just took the first job she got offered here in Florida. And that job built up for people seeing how amazing and smart and, and brilliant my wife is and beginning to elevate her to the point where she was a bureau chief of Florida. And now she is leading the IT Appropriations Committee for the Senate of Florida. And she's working today on the floor today to tell them how your tax dollars should or should not be spent on technology. And it all comes through her. I'm telling you like she tells me, I have to handle Scott billions of dollars ripple effect. That has nothing to even do with church. She's affecting lives she'll never even meet in the entire state of Florida. And see what it is like this miracle that God unlocked for a door. She opened it. And if you can't see that there was a ripple effect, then then I think that you, you might have blinders on because that ripple effect was a miracle for you and for you and for you. And because of my beautiful wife, because she said, yes, Lord, whatever it is, I don't understand it, but I will go. I'm here because you're there. And through all the years, because of her decisions, people have been set free from addiction here. Marriages have been made whole. The sick have been healed and the lost have been found. You are one risk away from a total different reality. You are one idea away from a total different mentality. You are one decision away from a completely different eternity. Let me close out with Josh. Man, when he's looking at 800 to 1 (laughs) odds, I don't think that he was actually looking for that to happen. You know, it happened. But I don't think Joshua was like, hmm, today I feel like having 800 problems. <laughs> That's not what he even saw. He saw 800 opportunities and he raised his spear. I don't think Benaniah was actually even hunting lions that day, right? It wasn't on his to-do list. But when it happened, he didn't see a 500-pound problem. He saw a 500-pound opportunity. He chased down that line, and he got some good ribeyes that night. What are you doing today that will make a difference 100 years from now? What ripple effect do you want to have come out of your life? The status quo is not going to cut it. If you want something to change, if you want to see your influence expand for God, by God, for his glory, and for his fame... Man, religion over personal relationship with Jesus is not going to cut it for you. Shying away from the move of the Holy Spirit is never going to satisfy what you want. It's gonna leave you cynical and deflated. The status quo is not getting to where you wanna go spiritually or emotionally or professionally, relationally, physically, whatever. You cannot live with in action and expect it to have the abundant life that God promised you in, in John 10.10 10, that you're supposed to have. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life to the fullest. Grab the handle, go through the door. I don't know what kind of risk you need to take this year. I don't know what decision that you need to make. Listen, I, I'm not claiming to be some kind of like prophet. I'm telling you, but there is going to be an opportunity in front of you that is at stake Here's what I do know. Faith is taking the first step before God ever reveals the second. And I know that you cannot finish what you do not start. I also know <laughs> that he began a good work in me, okay? He's gonna carry it out to completion. Even if I don't see, even if it looks like, well, that's never happening. Nope. When God speaks, when God promises, God always delivers. Mm-hmm. Jeanie and Steve Hunter raised two God-fearing boys. Pastor Jim Simula preached a sermon to me in the Brooklyn Tabernacle two weeks after 9-11, and the Lord called me out from what I was doing and rerouted my life to serving him full-time with my life. My big brother, Brian Hunter, accepted the call of ministry at 15 years old and began to preach then. And as a 24-year-old kid started this church with me by his side, Tabitha the Hunter loved the Lord enough and her husband enough to move from Cincinnati, Ohio to Tallahassee, knowing nothing about this place, knowing nothing about what the future would hold, but just knowing that God is faithful and God is already in our future and she had no need to worry. I stand here today. I sit here today (laughs) because of those people's ripple effects. You're here today because of the ripple effects of those people pouring into my life. What ripple effect will you cause for the cause of Christ for somebody else's life? It's gonna be a big year. But you gotta grab the handle when you hear it unlock and you have to take that first step of faith and push the door open and expect God to use your life. It's time to take a step of faith. Go through the door. Let's pray. Lord, I love you and I thank you, Lord, for days where this just seems like whew, you're cheering us on. Lord, we know that you see the whole picture. You see the finish line. Lord, I pray that you give us enough strength and faith, Lord, to make it past the starting line. And Lord, for every step of the race that follows after, empower us, speak loudly to us, encourage us, reroute us. Let our desire of our heart, Lord, be to go after whatever you have for us. Lord, I pray for miracles to abound in this place this year. Lord, I pray for bondage to fall off of people, chains to be broken, lives to be restored, marriages to be made whole, for wayward kids to come home for identity confusion to melt away. Lord, I pray that you would cast out all fear and that Lord, you would give us a mind that is sound. Cover us with your love. Cover us with your peace. Lord, give us the boldness of Joshua. All right. Thank you for joining us here at the Genesis Church Podcast. Remember, you can join us every Sunday at 1031 a.m. on all social media platforms. You can also join us in person every Sunday at 1031 right here at 4070 Mission Road in Tallahassee. God bless you and have a great day.